Welcome to the Deeply Discussing Movie Podcast. Every week, we discuss a movie, and then one of us suggests the next movie for us to watch and discuss. All the movies are available from the major streaming services, so that you can participate right along with us. I'm your host, Dale Maxfield. I'm joined by Alicia Walker. Hello. Christine Deacon. Hi. Josh Dean. Hello. And Nathan McKinney. Hello. And today's movie was Nathan's Suggestion. It's the last detail where two Navy men are ordered to bring a young offender to prison, but decide to show him one last good time along the way. Uh, but first, we're going to talk about what we've been watching lately. Uh, Josh, what have you been watching lately? Well, I uh, watched uh, special since this is a. Uh, in honor of Zach, uh, since he's not here, I watched The Suicide <laughs> Squad. Um, and uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, no, <laughs> not the original one, not not the old one. This is the James Gunn. Suicide Squad, not the Suicide, Suicide Squad. Squad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I'm a, I'm a James Gunn fan. I like his stuff a lot. Um, I am too, and I'm probably going to watch it because. Yeah. It's yeah. I, I'm afraid people who like <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy are going to watch it and think like, "Oh, it's going to be cutesy and kind of." No, I'm thinking Super. Exactly, it's a lot closer in tone to Super. Um, just brutally violent, um, funny, but in a very funny way. Um, John Cena uh, cracked me up. I I I know I've heard before that he's got great comedic talent, but uh, every time I see him in something funny, it just uh, surprises me for some reason um you just don't expect it i don't know uh, have you seen uh blockers my brain today no the michael bay movie uh no john cena's not in that i'm sorry okay. I'm, I'm completely <laughs> losing my mind two for okay. two <laughs> uh, the rock is in that oh uh, gotcha Cena was in it you just couldn't see him right isn't that his thing <laughs> yeah <You don't>, okay <laughs> um yeah yeah uh yeah, Idris Elba turns in a great performance. Um, yeah, uh, Peter Capaldi is always a joy to watch. Um, but again, you've got a. There was a little bit too much Harley Quinn for me. I I feel like she's the precious element that everybody has to kind of write a movie around her, sort of um, because of the popularity of the character. Um, mm -hmm. But there's still a few good standout scenes with her, also. Um, and the less you know about it going in, I think the happier you'll be. But if you've seen all the trailers, a lot of stuff is spoiled in the trailers. So I recommend it, but try to go in as fresh as possible. Yeah. Um, I'd heard a lot of good things about it. Um, I know that as far as the box office goes, it was a, a dud. Mm -hmm. um, but it's it's bad times for me. Yeah. So Exactly. Uh, Nathan, how about you? Uh, sure. So we decided to check out, um, apparently something that's been on a few years, but it hasn't made it to the States until just recently, but, uh, one of the new Taika Waititi, um, vehicles, and that is Wellington Paranormal, um, which is basically a spinoff of the first movie he did about the vampires. Um, and it basically follows some <laughs> a couple of pretty lame cops who are constantly running into the paranormal things that apparently happen all over Wellington all the time, all over mm -hmm. New Zealand. Um, and so it plays a little bit as like 
um, a typical cops TV show where they're kind of doing their testimonials like, yep, the perp did this and we're just really just, we're, this is how we had to handle it. And yep, yep. They kind of give that kind of uh, performance the whole way through, but mixed with all the, the normal campiness of, you know, Taika Waititi and, and his, you know, mockumentary type stuff. And it's pretty great. I mean, they're actually dropping one episode a week. It looks like, so we've watched five, um, there is one, uh, what we do in the shadows crossover character so far, and it's not who you would probably think it was going to be, but, um, it, it was still pretty funny. Um, I think my favorite episode so far was, has been the normal night. Um, just the scene with the mm-hmm. clowns, uh, might be one of the best things I've seen in a while. So, uh, definitely worth checking out. And where did you find that? It was on HBO, HBO Max. HBO Max. Okay. And they're, they've only dropped one season there. Apparently, there's already four seasons in the can that they've been showing in what in New Zealand, I guess. So, New Zealand. Yeah. yeah. So we'll, I'm sure, sure get to see the rest of them as they go. Hopefully, HBO Max will drop them pretty quick, though. I heard someone give a description Probably. of this show as it's an entire show. It's an entire um television series where it's like the X-Files episode of cops. So it's kind of like that, mm-hmm. but with the cops not really <laughs> believing. So it's, it's a lot of fun or they believe and they just don't really give a shit. Yeah. Like, there's a little, <laughs> that, I think too. Yeah. they're just doing their job. Well, we think there's some ghouls awesome. over there. We're just going to deal with the ghouls. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> and the way they manage every single thing is pretty funny. Like it's just hilarious. I love it. Alicia, how about you? Uh, I rewatched, uh, actually with Nathan here last week, uh, Burn After Reading, and it was not... Yeah, and it it was a Coen Brothers movie that I don't think I had given uh, enough time to, because I had seen it once and not revisited it either. I've kind of got a few favorites I see all the time and just have not really watched that many. Uh, Nothing distracting here. And so... I feel like it just came came out on Netflix or Amazon... Oh, just recently? Uh, yeah, just like as a as a subscription movie. Where yeah. You're gonna have to rent it. Yeah, it's it's just a really good time. I mean it's and it's kind of an all over the place thing too. I mean what's great is those segments at the very end of the movie where you have this isn't giving anything away, but JK Simmons comes in as kind of a higher authority in the CIA and them trying to explain to him what all has happened and what's going on and what they think is happening is some of the funniest parts of the movie is just hearing what you've been watching it. You know, it's funny, but then when you just hear it in a small synopsis, you're like, Oh my God, this is crazy. Just the idea that there's a Coen brothers movie with John Malkovich. Right. That should be enough to sell you on it right off the bat. And I think that's, you know, John Malkovich right around that time is really doing those kind of roles where they're playing up his, you know, he was always this kind of odd villain action kind of guy there for a while, drama guy, always odd. And then everybody's like, why aren't we playing this for its comedic value? I mean, this guy's gold for that. And so then he's doing that. He's doing being John Malkovich. He's doing these other movies that are really playing on just the fact that he is a character. And I think that's that's a lot of what's great about that movie. Yeah, I saw that one with my brother, John, and uh, we very often will still say things to each other. Uh, usually, like if I left something at his house or he left something at my house, I'll call him up and I'll be like, I was wondering if you're concerned 
regarding the security <laughs> of your shit. <laughs> oh, that's good. Well, and this is one of those so, movies, too, Nathan and I were talking about. Like, you see a movie like this, and you're like, you know what? Brad Pitt, he's good. I mean, he's not. A lot of people are like, well, yeah. he just looks good. and He's always cast as Brad Pitt. He's playing Brad Pitt. But I mean, no. Like, he does really great stuff in a lot of movies. And this is one of those where you're like, God, he's so good in this. Yeah. I mean, there, there's lots of good ones. Absolutely. Um, so, Christine, how about you? So I watched on HBO Max uh, The Prince, uh, the cartoon about, of course, uh, the oldest prince of England, the oldest of the youngest generation of princes of England. Uh, It's just like 15 minute episodes. And it's just basically this quote unquote, like the cartoon version of how the prince would behave and like he's on social media all the time and he's listening to music and he's bossing the help around and stuff like that and it's hilarious and it's just great to relax and just unwind to but you it's like bite-sized pieces of entertainment so i breathed through yeah. those pretty quick haven't haven't seen it but i was curious about it like how uh how rude is it to the royal family? Pretty rude. Okay, so <laughs> it is kind of what I expected because I was th- when I when I saw the uh, description of it and the the art style of it, which is very like caricature esque versions of all of the yeah. royals. Um, I thought that it reminded me of a show that I can't remember if it had two different names or if I'm just remembering two shows and calling them the same thing, but. Trey Parker and Matt Stone had a show called either That's My Bush or Lil Bush. I can't remember which. I think it, Lil Bush, I think. Well, That's My Bush was live action. Oh, okay. Yeah. The cartoon, the cartoon one's the one I'm thinking of. And it was like, uh, <laughs> like it was basically the entire cabinet, but they were all kids like hanging out together. Um, so it's like Condoleezza Rice, Dick Cheney, George W. Bush, Donald Rumsfeld, and Dick Cheney's whole character was just walking around going, rabble, 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 rabble. Okay, yeah, so. I've seen some of that. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> that that's what it kind of looked like to me. A little bit. It's a little bit like that. Uh, yeah, I wanted to talk about uh, a movie that I saw on HBO called Oslo, which uh, is a new movie starring Ruth Wilson, who I mainly know from The Affair, and Andrew Scott, who I mainly know as Moriarty on Sherlock. Um, that horrible abomination, um, but he was good on it. Um, Oslo is the story of the... Uh, Oslo peace accords between Israel and the PLO and Ruth Wilson and uh, Andrew Scott play sort of the facilitators who put this meeting together um, and, and kind of work through this historic agreement between, um, you know, the two, two main 
um, enemies or, or belligerents, however you want to look at it, um, in the Middle East, where the PLO is trying to, you know, regain statehood and get some of their land back and get Israel off their back. And Israel is trying to give up as little as possible, but they want stuff too. Um, so it's a really interesting look at that historical event. Um, it's also a very exciting two hour movie. Um, which is rare. There's there's not a lot of those out there. Um, so I really enjoyed it, and I think it's it's worth looking at if you're into uh, into history. Um, you know this this happened uh, in the 1990s, so I kind of remember some of this or some of the outcomes of this. But seeing a little bit of how it worked behind the scenes, dramatized um, for the small screen, and uh, it was a really well done movie. So I would recommend it. Cool. So, um, yeah, our movie this week was the last detail. Uh, it was Nathan's suggestion. Um, only one of us that seen it before was Josh. So, um, I will start with Alicia. What did you think of the last detail? I like the last detail. Um, I think, uh, it, it, it is very much of its time. I feel like, uh, it's got that early seventies vibe of, um, the lighting, the, the style of story in a way is kind of, uh, slow and deliberate. Uh, it reminds me of some of the other ones that, that I've seen kind of from that time period. Uh, I mean, it's not the same kind of story, but kind of how it's, it's, filmed and how it's very conversation heavy and stuff like that like in all the president's men or something like that it's, it's kind of i feel like of that time period um i think it's a really good jack nicholson movie it's not one people typically think of but um uh maybe because he's not quite as theatrical as sometimes he is in some of his other movies where it's more of maybe for people a more memorable uh performance but i thought it was really good um uh, it was weird watching Randy Quaid, uh, especially with everything we know about him now. Uh, but gosh, does he ever look young? He looks like he's 12 years old. I mean, it's crazy. So he definitely is cast well as a kid. Um, and, you know, and of course, my mind sometimes is always to, when it's trying to be true to life. I'm like, is this true to life? Like, would a guy really be going for eight years for attempting to steal $40? I mean, is that possible in the military to just a superior officer says that and that's what happens? I don't know, but I got it, the impression that he wasn't telling the whole story. Well, yeah, I kind of wondered that too. Although that's kind of the story we get from uh, Sheriff J.W. Peppa at the beginning, so I th just assumed mm -hmm. that that's kind of you know what really happened if that's what he was telling. But but yeah, I kind of I kept thinking we'd have more revealed at the end. I kind of thought at the end they would say, well, you know, and actually I also did this or you know something like that that he'd kind of fess up to these yeah. two guys with the relationship they had formed. But I thought it was good. I mean, it was it's it's very cold. Like I was cold watching the movie. Like just everything is in winter and they're constantly outside. They're waiting outside his mother's house. They're having a picnic in the park. I I think there's a lot of intentional coldness happening on purpose. With the film which i liked that they everything's cold and dark and all that kind of a stuff and 
Yeah, it's like a coming of age in three days story for a guy who's not going to be able to do that stuff before he goes to prison. So overall, I thought it was good. It, it's maybe not my favorite movie of that era, but I'm really glad I watched it. And I think it's got a lot of interesting things going for it. Okay. Christine, how about you? I agree with a lot of that. I agree that it was definitely cold. Um, I don't think the soundtrack matched the movie necessarily. Like, it was very, like, upbeat, marchy music. And I was like, this doesn't really fit with the rest of what's going on here. Um, But then... uh, Yeah. Which I kind (laughs) of like that about it, though. I think that that we need to I got what they were doing... (laughs) I got what they were doing, and it was all like <laughs> Marine Corps marching band yeah. performances and stuff too. But yeah, it relies on that stuff a little too hard. Yeah, and then uh, like the ending, I think didn't it ended a little too nicely for the rest of the movie. I think with them turning him in and going, I think. Like when he w- when they were chasing after him, uh, he, like Jack Nicholson had his gun out and everything prepared to shoot him. I think the ending might have been a little bit more poignant if he would have shot him. I don't know. It would have fit the rest of the movie a little bit more to me. Well, I mean, I th- I think the point of that was uh, that. Jack Nicholson's not a badass and he's not a ladies man no matter what he says. Um, yeah. So, I think that's sort of the thing. And uh you definitely don't want to kill a prisoner when as you're an MP. That's so. true. <laughs> but yeah, I can see that. Um so yeah, I'm the last uh the last newbie here. So, um I'll talk about this movie, the last detail. Uh, I liked it okay. It was all right. Um, it's uh, it's a bit of a road trip movie. It's a bit of a getting to know these characters movie. Um, yeah, I suppose there's a sort of a coming of age aspect to it. Um, but it's really just three guys kind of getting to know each other. Um, doing a bunch of ridiculous stuff that they only get to do when they're at shore. So they got to pack it all in to a short period of time on shore leave. Uh, So, um, but yeah, I thought, I thought Jack Nicholson was fantastic. Um, And, and speaking of, you know, his character not being a badass or not being a ladies man, um, the least believable part of this entire movie was Jack Nicholson, not being able to hook up with a girl at a party. Like, I didn't believe that for a second. I didn't believe that wasn't going to work for a second because it's Jack Nicholson. Um, but, uh, but the character doesn't have the charisma, which is the point of it. It's just Nicholson, like sells it hardcore. And you're like, come on, give the guy a break, you know? Um, so I think that, you know, sort of a humorously uh, humorous kind of casting uh, issue there. Um, I wrote down a few things uh, going through it. 
Um, Ohai Gilda Radner. Um, her first on-screen role. Uh, she gets one line at the uh, the Buddhist meeting. Um, I did not realize that Jack Nicholson was 5'10", and I did not realize that Randy Quaid is 6'5". <laughs> when they're chasing him through that train, it's like, dear God, how much bigger than Jack Nicholson is he? Um, which is kind of funny. I read later that uh, they were... they the part was originally supposed to be kind of a, a wimpy, you know, small guy. Um, but the casting people really liked the quirkiness and the vulnerability of Randy Quaid and thought that a big naive guy would be even better than a little wimpy one that you knew that Jack Nicholson and, um, the other fella could take care of. So that was kind of interesting. Um, we get two amazing lines from uh, the sheriff right off the bat. Um, You're a lucky son of a bitch, badass. Before we know that his nickname is badass, like that just like hit me over the, like over the bow, like, Oh, hello movie. Um, And then his other one is uh, I wouldn't shit you. You're my favorite turd. (laughs) So, (laughs) which is one I might need to work into my repertoire. Um, This movie is also uh, uh, groundbreaking for its time. Um, It has the most F words as of the time that it came out by about 25 or 30. Um the studio really didn't like that. They wanted to get a better rating or a lower rating so that they could get a, a bigger return, a bigger release. And uh, the director wouldn't cut the, the fucks out of it. So they said, okay, well, let's do a test screening and see how it plays and see if people get offended. And people loved it as a test screening. So the studio was like, well, we still don't know if we want to release it this way. So the director somehow got it released uh, at the Cannes Film Festival and Jack Nicholson won the like best actor at Cannes with it. So they were sort of shamed into putting the movie out. Um, And then they botched releasing it anyway because they rushed it into a limited release in December to try and pick up some Oscar buzz at the last minute. And then by the time they did a wide release in July, all the Oscar buzz was gone. So uh, they did get some nominations out of it, but but no wins. So um, so yeah, at the time, a selling point of the movie was on its poster. Like they have a bunch of words bleeped out that are being said by Jack Nicholson. Um, was how much uh, how many fucks are in this movie? So there you go. Well, Josh is the only person on the podcast who's seen this movie before. What did you think of The Last Detail? That's right. I had seen it. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> I was doing like a 70s tear at some point and uh, saw this one. Um, yeah, that's right. I'm pretty much an expert on this movie, I would say. Me and Hal Ashby go way back. We were having dinner the other night, and he gave me some inside <laughs> scoop. Nice. Um, yeah. Uh, no, so, yeah, I, I like this movie fine. Um 
a very episodic movie, obviously. Like, it's really tough to squeeze it into a three-act structure unless you just count the first ten minutes and the last ten minutes as act one mm-hmm. and three. Um, so, scenes stand out to me. Um, like, goading the Marines into a fight in the men's room. Like, it... It almost feels like they wanted to be stripes, like before stripes happened. <laughs> um, but it's not wacky; it's just sad most of the time. Um, so I I put comedy in uh, quotation marks on this one because uh, a lot of the character comedy it just comes from a place of deep loneliness or uh, delusion or something like that. Um, uh, Randy Quaid shoplifting. I, I did like watching him <laughs> shoplift uh, in those scenes, uh, stealing the old lady's carrots. Uh, that uh, was incredible. Um, I love him waking up and freaking out that they caught him <laughs> caught with him the carrots. Carrots, right? <laughs> Just trying to run. Where's where are you going to go, man? You're on a train. They're uh, not going to give me good behavior, <laughs> uh, right? Uh, Carol Kane, very young Carol Kane. Uh, yes, I forgot to mention her. Yeah. Um, and, uh, the matching Randy Quaid, just in terms of like, wow, were they ever so young? Um, but, uh, yeah, overall I liked it. I liked the guy who played mule. I don't know the actor's name off the top of my head. Otis uh, young, Otis young. Uh, I thought he did a great job. It, he had a thankless job, I think being stuck between Nicholson's like high energy and Quaid's quirkiness. Um, he was a last-minute replacement on this movie. They had huh. actually hired somebody else to do it, and after they hired, uh, whose name I do not remember at this point, um, uh, found out that he had cancer like a week before they were to start shooting. Nice. So they delayed it a week and let him decide oh. if he wanted to still shoot it or not, and he opted out, and so they hired um, Otis at the absolute last minute Otis Young who that, was mainly known for like TV westerns at the time so that's even more impressive then because yeah, he yeah, really he, good. yeah he kind of holds it down and centers the whole movie I felt like um because yeah. it, it could have flown way off the rails I think if it was just Nicholson and Quaid um or if they picked a even wackier guy to be the sidekick or something um but uh <laughs> yeah uh as, as someone that used to live in Boston, I can tell you picnics like that are common. Um, uh, just dip the hot dog in the mustard and try not to freeze to death. And uh, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, lose your shoe in the snow. That's all. Uh, I've been there before. I can't, uh, I can't believe I forgot to mention Carol Kane. Um, not only in a young role, in a nude role, mm-hmm. and credited only as young, young whore. whore. Young whore. <laughs> yeah. We noticed that too. Yanks. Oh dear. Mm, yeah. Um, anybody know what movie they were watching on TV? Um, I always find that fascinating when characters are watching another movie in a movie. Yeah. Uh, I didn't catch it. Okay. Uh, when well, they're in the hotel room? Yeah, in the hotel room. At one point, they're watching the. Maybe I'm thinking of a different movie. Was it the inter- not the entertainer? Oh, the jazz singer. The jazz I think singer, wasn't it? We were watching that on a different movie, I think. Oh, never mind. Oh. <laughs> yeah, they're watching that. some kind of war movie or something, but. I was just curious, yeah, because it, it kind of, I thought juxtaposed, this is the Navy life versus this is like the the Reality. portrayal in movies, yeah, mm-hmm. um, of the hard action and everything. But now it's just escorting some dumbass uh, from D.C. to Boston. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, uh, I like the movie. Like, it's not my favorite, but 
um, yeah, generally um, favorable towards it. Right on. Well, yada yada. Uh, Nathan, what the hell, man? Well, I hadn't seen this one, uh, so this was kind of like a blind pick for me. Uh, I'm kind of glad I picked it. Uh, I I enjoy a good Jack Nicholson movie, especially from this era. Um, I've seen quite a few Jack movies, and he's always a pleasure to watch. He's always turning on whatever Jack Nicholson thing he's got on inside him, puts it right out there. I love it. Um, I think, you know, I went into this thinking partly because of the cover, and he's like, I don't know what he's doing. Is he crushing a beer can and his bare chest and a sailor's hat? I figured this was going to be kind of like a stripes. Honestly, I was expecting a little bit of a, a national lampoon. Uh, and it really isn't. I mean, I think there's a chi- there's times in the story or in the humor where it's trying to be something like that, but it's too much of its error. It's too much of it's like 1970s vibe of just reality and, and, and grittiness. Um, it's it's lighter than a lot of those type of movies, but at the same time, it's it, it kind of threads that line a little bit. Um, I think what I enjoyed about this movie, and I think the reason you really come to watch it uh, again and again, my guess is, uh, I liked that it's basically two fuck ups taking another fuck up to. Sorry, it's not a family show, I guess. Uh, to to prison it set a record for fucks uh yeah we've, we've right already here. gotten there <laughs> only if you watch the movie this is nothing compared to that shit um <laughs> <laughs> anyways uh so i mean obviously to me like randy quaid was maybe the best of the three of them because you start off the movie and you really quickly recognize that these two guys are not the cream of the crop for the navy um the, that are taking him along and the truth is that he's got a problem. I mean, he's a kleptomaniac and he doesn't even know how to handle it. He's otherwise, he's pretty much an innocent through the whole thing. So mm-hmm. the fact that he's the one being drugged to prison, it, the irony doesn't fall on anybody in this or fall shy of anybody in this movie, especially Jack Nicholson. And he just, it tears him up that he's having to take this kid to prison who yeah. basically can't control what happened. Um, and it eats him up and he tries to kind of reckon with it as many ways he can. And it makes it even harder and harder for him to take him because he gets to know the guy even better. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Otis's character is just kind of sitting there going, um, well, I need to toe the line because I don't want to get in any more trouble. But at the same time, I kind of feel with you. And quite frankly, I could do it with a day off and I'm kind of a screw around too. So let's do it. Um, and then when they finally get there, and I think there's a point to why they don't kill him off and they, they have to take him in. You get that scene at the very end where they have to confront the business of the fact that they, they aren't admitting that the guy tried to escape, but they obviously clobbered him a couple times. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they basically get off with nothing. And quite honestly, what they did was way worse <laughs> than anything right. Randy Quaid ever did to get in prison in the first place. So, I, I think that's kind of the point of the whole movie is that the system is really screwed. Um, and sometimes the, the the best people or at least the most innocent people can get kind of crunched in the middle of that. And um, I just, I, I think it was a good movie for that. I mean, it, it kind of makes you think about those three characters and what they were going through and, and who deserved to be in what position maybe. Yeah. Don't you uh, disagree with anything Richard Nixon says? <laughs> <laughs> that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
there's there's definitely a lot going on and it's it's an interesting uh uh it's an interesting thing to explore around this very simple transport person a to place b movie um and they do tell you right from the get-go that like there's a loophole where they can take forever and a day to take him where he needs to go. So they're going to take all the time that they can and stretch it out and get their per diems and split it. And like, Hey, Randy Quaid might actually get his 40 bucks after all out of all of this. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, there's some interesting stuff going on. Um, I had without realizing it seen the, sort of sequel to this movie. Um, the novelist wrote a sequel to the book called last flag flying. And it came out in 2005. And of all people, uh, when you, when you think about it, it kind of makes perfect sense. But of all people, uh, Richard Linklater made a film adaptation of it. And all three of these characters are back, uh, in the sequel. So, you have Brian Cranston playing Jack Nicholson's uh, older self. Um, the uh, the the plot is that uh, uh, Meadows, Randy Quaid's character's son, has died in Iraq, and he gets the band back together to help him transport his son from a military base to where. Meadows wants him buried um, because he doesn't want him to have a military funeral. And so his only friends in the whole world are the two MPs that took him for his wild time. Hmm. Um, I don't remember if they (laughs) explain in that movie, if Carol Kane's supposed to be the mother of the son or not. Um, I'd have to watch it again now that I've actually seen the plot of the prequel but i had no idea that there was a connection with these movies until i was looking at it um so yeah it's brian cranston and then lawrence fishburne takes over for milo young and steve carell takes over for andy quaid so pretty uh pretty solid movie overall and a very similar feeling like dead simple plot but lots of stuff to talk through and and go on about and uh, very much Richard Linklater style. It's like he turned this into one of his before movies. So, but uh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say one thing I forgot to mention is uh, I was talking about how Randy's character was the only one that was kind of innocent. Not only was he the only one that was kind of innocent, he actually kind of bettered himself on the way to prison by kind of trying out the chant thing. And, um, that whole, I mean, I think it was played a little bit for laughs, the whole Buddhist chant thing, but I think the, the core of that was that his character is not only is he innocent, he's actually the only one between the three of them that's trying to prove himself. <laughs> that, that thing that they stumble into, uh, looks really silly for modern audiences. The, the yeah. like Buddhist meeting and it's all young people and they're all like, it, it looks like some sort of cultish communal thing that's going on. Um, that was actually exploding in culture at the time that this movie came out. 
Um, the first time that I he- heard the <laughs> the chant Nanmiho Ringi Kyo uh, is from Peter Tork. He got really into it and would say that on the monkeys every once in a while. So, but he always used it as like a nonsense, like I'm going to my happy place sort of thing. So, but yeah, this was a very 1967 thing to stumble into. Or 1970. Sorry, last movie is 67. God, having the rough <laughs> time. It was a very 1972 thing to stumble into. But uh, Alicia, it is your turn to suggest a movie for us. What would you like for us to watch? Uh, I'm suggesting The Color of Money. Uh, Fast Eddie Felsen teaches a cocky but immensely talented protege the ropes of pool hustling, which in turn inspires him to make an unlikely comeback. All right. That should be good. Thanks, everybody, for the discussion of The Last Detail. And thanks, everybody, out there for listening. We'll see you on the next Deeply Discussing Movie Podcast.